my gosh. I'm going to tell you guys what I told the 9 a.m. crowd. I thought it would have been a great idea because it's going to get up in the, like, the high 60s, low 70s days to like, wear shorts. And uh, when I left the house this morning at 5.30, it was like 33 degrees. So uh, I immediately started regretting that decision. And you're regretting it now because I these legs have not seen sun in quite some time. So you're welcome to go ahead and put on your shades. Uh, it's totally fine. No, my name's Chris. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at OneChurch.tv, and I honor hanging out with you guys. If this is your first time with us today, thank you so much for being here. We know that there's a lot of different churches you could have went to, or you could have just stayed at home, and we're honored that you hung out with us. Also, I want to give you a huge shout-out to our VIPs. Our volunteers are so important here, and uh, I want to thank you so much for serving. If you're ever interested in joining a fantastic team of volunteers... Uh, come and see me afterwards, after the service today at the Next Steps tent. Um, got some great friends here that I started learning their name when they started serving. So thank you so much for doing that. It's one of those uh, ways that you can actually, it makes a large church feel small. So anyway, well we're in week two of a series we're entitling Bold, Take the Land. And uh, one of the things I want to give you guys a heads up, if you're kind of new here, about a year ago, about this time last year, we started a new move we entitled Bold. Because we believe that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. So our leadership, our staff, our elders, we got together and we prayed, what if? Um, what if? What, were, what if God moved in, in some amazing ways that what would we want to see him do here in our community? What would we want to see him do within our church and uh, within this, not only this town, but in literally the, the, the states and where a lot of those people PCS and go to, and many of you are military and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So as we started dreaming and praying, we asked God, what do you want us to go? Where do you want us to move? Because we believe when God says move, we're to, we're to move. So um, as we were processing through this, we believe that God laid on our hearts uh, a twofold vision in the next five years and in ten years a threefold vision. But let me share that with you again if this is your first time today. Uh, our first bold move is to secure a permanent location here at, at the uh, 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 here in this area. Um, and uh, we believe that God has called us here to reach people that nobody else is reaching. That means we have to do some things that nobody else is doing. And whether that's uh, coming out and meeting at a school or meeting at a movie theater where we used to uh, meet at back in 2007, um, our church is eight years old, and we've been a mobile, portable church for all of those eight years. And we believe that God can allow us to do some much more greater things if we had a more permanent location. So, And then the second a bold move that we want to do is we want to keep on creating and starting churches that unchurched people love to attend. And uh, that is in a two phases. Uh, in the first five years, we would like to be able to start another one church here in Clarksville, Montgomery County. Um, and eventually, we would like to start another one church across state lines where we figure out where our men and women who are in military, PCS2, and if that's Fort Bragg or Wachuca, Hood, or whatever that looks like, that we start a one church there. So um, that is our bold, big, audacious dream. And we asked people a year ago to give uh, to Bold, and you guys have done that. Um, over the past year, you guys have given $287,000 so that we can be able to help make this bold dream a reality. And I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for how you, many of you sacrificially give. We're coming back around to talk about this because I want to bring you guys up to date of where we're at. And I want to challenge those who maybe didn't give last year. Maybe you're like, I ain't doing that. 
or maybe you weren't here last year. We want to give you an opportunity to be able to get on board about what, where God is moving us. So um, give you a heads up of where we're at. We're about $190,000 away from us starting to break ground. And uh, that is exciting, um, but it means we're this close. So I'm encouraging all of you guys who maybe checked out last time or maybe those who are brand new, uh, we're going to be challenging you uh, next week uh, to make a commitment to be able to say, oh, okay, for the next year, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold in my giving. So give you a heads up for that. Some of you may not want to come next week, and that's fine. So uh, anyway, um, but uh, another thing I really want to do is in this series, it's not just about money. I really want to look at a guy in the Bible who lived a bold life. And uh, as I've been reading and, and, and studying the guy by the name of Joshua, and there's a book of the Bible named Joshua after him, I've just really seen that this guy lived a bold audacious life. In fact, we read in Joshua chapter 1 last week that God basically came to Joshua and says, I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to be bold. And we looked uh, at Joshua chapter 1. We're going to actually dig into a little bit of that today. But before we go to Joshua, let me kind of share with you Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And the word Deuteronomy literally means second law. Uh, it's a sermon that was preached by Moses, who's there right, him and Joshua and the other two million Israelites. They've been delivered from bondage from Egypt. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And now they're right on the edge of the promises that God has for them. That God, God basically promised them a land, a land that we're going to read about in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So um, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn. Uh, we can be in Deuteronomy 8. We're going to eventually be at Joshua chapter 1. But this is what Deuteronomy 8 verse 7 says. For the Lord, your God, is bringing you into what? A good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and in the hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, of fig trees, of pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. Kind of sounds sticky, doesn't it? It is a land where the food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is common as stone and copper is as abundant as the hills. So they've been wandering in the wilderness. They've been portable for 40 years, and God has given them this land, promised this land to them, and they are right on the edge of the promised land. They're not there yet, and Moses dies, Joshua becomes the leader, and Joshua is going to lead them into this promised land, but there's a big problem in between them and the promised land. There's a big problem in between this huge promise that God gives them, and we're going to see that big problem today. This is what Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, we ended our services last week with this. It says this, I promise you what I promised Moses, whatever you set your foot, you will be on land that I've given you. Everywhere you walk, God told Joshua, is yours. But you won't take the ground unless you take a step. And that's our big idea today. This is where we're going to be seeing God move, that, and you won't take any ground unless you take a step. You won't take any ground unless you take a step. Let me hear you say that. You won't take any ground unless you take a step. Let me just be honest with you. Some of you, you're wanting to get better, and you're wanting to get and not get bitter. You won't get any better unless you start, start stepping. Some of you, 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 your outlook on life stinks because you're not taking steps of becoming a healthier person, of a more spiritual person. 
You won't take any ground unless you take a step. It won't happen. See, what I love about this and what we're going to be seeing uh, in the verses we're going to see today is that you know that for you and for me, there are some promises that God says you and I will never experience unless we take a step. God was telling Joshua, I'm going to give you all of the ground you walk on, but you have got to walk on it. You've got to take a step. What God is telling Joshua is that God will deliver on God's promises, but for you to see the promised land, you're going to have to move. And some of you, that's exactly where you're at now. You've got to take a step, and the step that you take is going to have to be a step in obedience towards God, and God will give you the land. So many times, we ask God for some things he will not give us unless we move out in faith and we take a step. We see this all throughout the Bible. God will give us a blessing, but only in proportion to how big we move. He will deliver, but only in proportion if we move in obedience. So wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I've given you. That's a big promise. But as we see today, in between that big promise and God's people is a big problem. This is what it says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to be there the rest of the morning. It says this, Then Joshua rose early in the morning. He and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Now think about this. Joshua leads the two million Israelites seven miles from the banks of the River Jordan to this swollen, dangerous river during flood stage. Two million people. Two million people. Now, let me get that in perspective. If you take all of the 13 counties of uh, Robertson County and all the counties surrounding Nashville, metro, metropolitan Nashville, you get 1.6 million people. So this isn't 1.6, this is 2 million. Imagine if all of the people in Nashville decided to get up and pack their belongings, get their pets, get their kids, and they move seven miles in a direction. I mean, that is cacophony, right? I mean, anybody tried getting on the interstate while I-24 and 65 meet? OMG. Saying? I mean, praise God the construction's over, but it, they were constructing stuff for decades, right? It just felt that way. But you see, what we see here is Joshua is leading these two million people right to the edge of the promised land. But what we're going to see is the Jordan is overflowing its banks. You see this massive river. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before the crossing. Look at this next part. Three days later, they come to the raging Jordan River and they camp there for three days. For three days at this raging flood stage river. I got some video I want to show you of just some river that's in overflowing. We're going to see a lot of flood stages. Some of you, you were here like back in 2010, and you saw that when the Cumberland and the Red River, when it spilled its banks, a lot of people lost a lot of things. So you hear this, this raging water. So do we have that video? I want to see if you guys can see that. You just see these raging floodwaters and how it destroys homes and it washes dreams away. And they camp there for three 
days. For three days. They went to sleep at the sound of raging water. They woke up the next morning to the sound of raging water. And they, it's like God brings them to this point and says, okay, I want you to look at this river. One of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life, when I was in college, uh, I used to uh, teach canoeing here on the Red River. It's one of the ways that I made my living. And I, I made a decision to, to canoe the Red River when it was at flood stage. It was the dumbest decision I've ever done. Because you have these thousands of pounds of, of pressure in, in undertow that's coming, and you can't see what's beneath you. And, I mean, literally, I mean, I could have died. And here you see homes being swept away and all of these possessions being swept away and I want to just kind of just hang out here and share with you what the word Jordan means. The word Jordan means to descend. One of the places where this river gets its start is in northern Israel where the snow is melting off of Mount Hermon, a mountain that towers 9,232 feet above sea level. The River Jordan runs from the snowy caps of Mount Hermon all the way down to the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on earth. It's 1,300 feet below sea level. So this raging Jordan River travels two miles, two miles from 10,500 feet, I mean from the top of Mount Hermon all the way down to the Dead Sea. And where it is, this is April. And it's harvest season there. And the snow is melting off of the caps. And there, you see this raging river. By the way, this footage was shot in India. Um, and this, this river is just rushing down. People are stuck. And it's there. It's there where the two million Jews camp three days at the edge of the Jordan River. Why did God bring them to the edge of the Jordan River, these dangerous rapids, and just made them sit there? These three days gave all of those people sitting on the edge of the Jordan an opportunity to get a real good look at a difficult circumstance that's happening. They were, I mean, they were just sitting there and they saw the impossibility of crossing this dangerous river. I mean, that's awful, isn't it? And it's in, it's at the edge of this that two million people are there. And they're like, I see the promises of God, but I can't get there. And they're in danger of being swept away. What do they do? Let me say this. Sometimes God stacks the odds against us. Sometimes God stacks the odds, of, uh, odds against us so that he can remind us that you and I, we can't do it. That we're incapable that we can't do it on our own. If God had just taken them to the banks of, and led them, led them right through the river, they would have never had time to let it sink in just how difficult, dare I say impossible, that their circumstances were. Sometimes, God stacks the odds against us and gives them a first-hand perspective to remind us of that. That we can't do it, but guess what? We have a God that can that you and I can't do this, but God can. That what we say impossible, God says is not only not impossible, but it is possible and it's probable if you put your faith and trust in him. We can't, but God can. God had them stay there for three days looking at this impossible situation. And on our weakness, 
I tell you, our weakness highlights the God's strength. Some of you, you feel like you're in an impossible situation with your job. And you don't feel like you can continue on because you've got a boss that's just beating you down and beating you down. And you just struggle with that. And you think, I can't. Remember, God can. Some of you, you're at the juncture of your marriage where, okay, are you going to fight it out or are you going to pull the eject cord? And what are you going to do? And it seems like an impossible situation. But let me tell you, we serve a God who can make impossible situations possible. Some of you, you feel like it's an impossible situation because you struggle with loving your stepchildren. You just don't want them. You struggle with that feeling and that whole situation. Let me tell you, God is the God of impossible. The first thing, let me tell you, if you want to see a breakthrough through some impossible situations, how many of you have been through some impossible situations? Let me see your hands. Okay, I dare I say that's all of us. If you want to see a breakthrough through some impossible situations, number one, you have to go after God's presence. You have to go after God's presence. This is what it says in verse 2. Three days later, the Israelites' officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, then what are you supposed to do? Move out from your positions and follow them. All right. Now, we, we all know what this is. Here's a picture of it. How do we, what is this? How do you know it's the Ark of the Covenant? Because of Indiana Jones, right? All right, how many of y'all, I mean, I love me some Indiana Jones. I like some of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I do. And it's one of those things, let me kind of give you some specs about this, uh, about the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, it was, uh, it, the Ark of the Covenant, by the way, is mentioned 10 times in these 17 verses in Joshua chapter 3. So this is kind of like a big deal, right? The Ark of the Covenant was this heavy box that was four feet long and two and a half feet high. And it was overlaid with gold. The lid on it was solid gold. The outside was gold. And it, when you lifted up the top, inside was gold. So inside this uh, ark was the Ten Commandments and some of the other relics of their journey. It was kind of like a museum of sorts. The ark was the visible representation of God's presence. You see, up to this point, God had been leading them with like a cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. But now when Moses is now dead, he now relies on the Ark of the Covenant and they follow the Ark wherever it goes. It's the visible representation of God's presence. God is saying, I don't want you to get out in front of me. I don't want you to get out in front of me. I want to go before you. Notice that it's not the soldiers who are leading them in the battle. It's not even Joshua, the commander who's leading them in the battle. It is God himself, the visible representation of God's presence that's leading them into battle. Why is God leading them? Well, the next verse says, since you have never traveled this way before, they, meaning the priest holding the ark, will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Since you haven't traveled that way before. They will guide you. God is the only one who knows where to go. 
Joshua doesn't know. God wants to lead his people. God wants to lead his people to follow his lead, doing what he wants them to do. God is going to take each of us to a place that we have not been before, and God is going to lead us because God knows. I'll tell you, I was texting a good friend of mine this morning. Used to be at one church. They PCS now to Kansas. He was one of our former elders. And he says, man, I don't know. I don't know what God has in store for me and my family. He says, I, 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 if I get promoted, everything's good. But if I don't, then I'm going to have to get out of the army in six months. What do I do? Let me tell you about my friend. He's going to figure out what's going to happen at the end of this week. But let me tell you who's already there at the end of this week. And that's God. God already knows what's going to happen. And that fear of being able to know, what's, you know what direction I'm going to go, how I'm going to provide for my family, all of this stuff. Man, it just weighs on him. And some of you know what that feels like. You have things and you, you, you look in the future and you just don't know. And if you could see in the future, it would probably scare you to death. But know that God is already there on the other side. You don't know which way to go, but God does. God is going to take each of us to a place with him we've never been before. But that means you and I have to go after God's presence. We've got we to gotta follow his lead. Joshua says this to the priest in verse 6. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. You've got to go after God's presence. They were going to have the Ark go in front of them. And it's such a strange scene. You've got this, you know, this box, this golden box. And a half mile behind this box are two million people you know, kind of following this box around. I mean, am I the only one when I get into situations like this where you can literally see the promised land over the river? I just want to go and rush out and get it. Some of you know exactly what that feels like. You Okay, I, I feel like I got this issue. I'm just going to go and grab it. And it's like God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you let me go ahead of you. In fact, I like what it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that if you trust in the Lord, you follow him, he is going to make your path straight. It's like this. I have three boys, and all of them were toddlers, and they lived through the toddler years, praise God, right? If you're, if you're having a toddler and a terrible twos, praying for you. Um, but, you know, one of the things that when they start learning to walk, you know, they kind of, and it's kind of, you know. And I, one of the things I used to do is I'd get in front of them, and I'd remove the toys, and I'd, you know, and I'd move the coffee table so that they fall, they don't hit the coffee table. I'm trying to going ahead of them, kind of clearing the way. And that's exactly what happens when we go after God's presence, that he is clearing the way for us. Let me ask you a quick question. What are you going after in your life? What are you going after? What are you passionate about? What's at the top of your priority list? I believe that we are to be a people who hunger after God, but so many times we hunger after everything else. We hunger after more money. And the better promotion and the better job so that we can get the better car and the better house. And then maybe we can upgrade and we get the better wife or the better husband. Right? And we're always so discontent. But really, what, we're going, what we should be going after is God. Is going after God's presence at the center of your life. Taking those steps of obedience. Doing what you should be doing. Are you focused on following God? The second thing we can do is not only go after God's presence, but two, you've got to start moving in obedience. This is what it says in the next verse, verse 6. In the morning, Joshua said to the priest, look at, look at this action, I love this. Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people, where? 
across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. And the Lord said to Joshua. Notice, Joshua starts moving. And when Joshua starts moving, God starts speaking. Let me tell you, God doesn't start speaking until Joshua starts moving. Why? Because God only hits a moving target. Some of you, this is how you're at. You're like, okay, God, you know, tell me which way to go, but you're not moving. Sometimes it takes you moving, and then as you're taking those steps of obedience, then he's going to start showing you which way to go. God is not going to give you more information until you act on what he's already given you. Uh, God's not going to give you the details about your tomorrow unless you've started doing the details that he's giving you today. He's not going to show you step seven until you've done step one yet. God's not going to give you your next step until you've stepped out in faith. Some of you, man, if I could just preach to y'all just a little bit. And when I preach to you, I'm going to preach to myself because I struggle with this. Is guys, you know, when you get something, you, we, don't, we just want to throw off the instructions. And we just want to get to the end result. I, I've done this with my boys where, you know, I got three boys and we'll get the Lego things and the Star Wars Legos. And you see what the box, you know, what it should look like on the box. You know what I'm talking about? And then you open it up and there's like a million pieces. And, and, and you're like, okay. We're, and s- some of you guys, you just throw away the instructions, right? You're like, I'm handy. Let me tell you what I'm not. I ain't handy, Right? Uh, I am looking at the... Uh, somebody hit my mailbox like two days ago and didn't stop. By the way, if it was one of y'all, thank you very much. So I go and I'm trying to... I get a mailbox, I get a post, you know. Me and my son Walt, we're trying to figure it out. And I get this thing and I'm... The first thing I do is I open up the instructions. Because I'm clueless. I, I, I've got a hammer to my name and that's it. Right? I had to borrow a screwdriver. I can't even make this stuff up. And by the way, I'm telling you that because I don't want you to buy me a screwdriver. I don't want a screwdriver. Okay? I'm just telling you. So maybe buy me a book about screwdrivers. I don't read it. My point is this. First thing I did is I went to that instruction sheet. That's what you got to do. God's Word, our instruction manual, you just don't dive in. Man, you got to follow after God, God. And let me tell you, I love that. I tell you, Psalm 119.105 says this. I love this verse. I love it, love it, love it, love it. I, say, I quote it all the time. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. God, God's word, the Bible, is like when you act on it. And it's kind of like a, anybody, anybody went camping in here? Maybe your, your parents took you camping because they didn't like you. Okay? I don't take my children camping because I love my boys. So I, I do. And if I took my wife camping with me, Anyway, moving forward. But it's, it's like having a Coleman lantern. I was in Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. I remember getting that Coleman lantern, and you'd have it in the night, and you'd take a, you know, it, you can't see all the way down the path, but you hold it out there, and you take a step, and you can see a, little, a, a step farther than you did. You take another step, and you can see it more. And that's how God's Word is. Some of you, you're like this. You want to know, okay, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And God's saying, I want you to get up on Monday morning and read my Word so that you can become more of a godly person. You don't do that. You want to see the end game. And God's saying, I want to see if you're going to follow me on Monday. I want to, God, who, who do you want me to marry? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop looking at porn. So that you can become pure, so that when I do finally introduce him or her to you, that you can be ready and you can be Mr. Right for your Mrs. Right. So you don't want to do that. 
See, we always want the end game, and God's saying, what are you going to do today? Are you going to follow me today? And that's what he's saying to you and I today. You see, we can't, God's not going to show us the end game unless we obey today and take a step in his direction. Man, look at this. And then number three, we have to go all in, all in by standing in the river. What do I mean by that? Well, all in. How many of y'all, you went all in before, right? Place of Texas, hold them. Right? Some of you are like, preacher, you, you're, you shouldn't be doing I enjoy Texas Hold'em, right? I will take your money. And I'll tithe on it. I'm just juggling. No, I'm just... <laughs> Send your emails to justin at onechurch.tv. He's still angry because the last time I played penny poker with him, I got all of his pennies. So anyway, but I'll say this. I, I mean, I, I, you go all in by saying you got a hand and you push it all towards the middle of the table. It's like there is no turning back. You know, it's just you're there. You're all in. What this is going all in by standing in the river. What do I mean by that? Well, the next verse tells us. The Lord told Joshua, give this command to the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, the Ark is this 300-pound gold-plated box, all right? When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps where? Into the river and stop there. <laughs> now, you, we all just saw that video of that raging river. Imagine, you're the priest, and Joshua just said to you, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. i got a plan. Y'all ready to hear the plan? Yeah, we're ready to hear it. Okay, um, I elect you four guys to carry this 300-pound box into this raging river, right? And, and if you're one of the preachers, you're like, nah. No, that, that, can we get another plan? Can we vote on this plan? And Joshua says, nope. We voted on something once before, and we had to wander for 40 years. We ain't voting on it, right? So you have these four priests, and they're like, what in the world? And, and I mean, you're, not, you're to go into the river, so you're going to get your feet wet, and you're carrying this 300-pound gold box, and you're putting it on your shoulders. You can't even steady yourself. Good luck, by the way. Praying for you, right? If I were a priest, I would say, no thank you, right? I mean, you expect me to, to start stepping into this raging river and try to keep my balance, much less trying to carry this golden 300-pound box over my shoulders. By the way, do you know, not only did that ark represent the presence of God, but you know what it was right then at that moment? A sinker. Right? How many of y'all ever went fishing? At the bottom of your line, you tie a sinker. Let me tell you what a sinker does. It makes you think. Right? And if I'm one of the priests, I'm like, TV timeout. Okay. No. Right? How about J Joshua? You carry the box, and I'm going to watch and see how far you get. Right? It's a sinker. And you're gonna go, they're going to go straight to the bottom of this river. Verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God has says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. You see, isn't that what you want in your presence? Isn't that what you want in your problems? Isn't that what you want when you come smack dab in the middle of your fear? You want to know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Mosquito Bites, and the Parasites among you. All of these are, are the enemies of God that are living in the land that God has promised them. God said, hey, by the way, 
I'm giving you a land, but there's some people already still living there. You've got to kick them out. Thank you. Right? Right? So this is what happens. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the what? Whole earth. Everybody say whole earth. Whole earth will lead you across the Jordan River. By the way, where is the Jordan River located? In the earth. I like that. Now choose 12 men from the, among the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. You see, what he's saying by repeating this is your, your biggest problem you think is right in front of you is that Jordan River. Guess where that's located? In the earth. And if God is the God, he's the Lord of all the earth, that means he's the Lord of your problems. He's the Lord of that raging river that's in front of you. He's the Lord of your marriage that's getting ready to fall. He's the Lord of your child that's failing out this semester. He is the Lord of your finances, even though you haven't made him Lord because you've been jacked up on spending everything right? Then God's saying, listen, I can be the Lord of this for you, but you've got to give it to me. You've got to give it to me. He is the Lord over the whole earth, which includes the Jordan River, their biggest problem. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. Look at this next part. As soon as their feet, and you can go back, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off where? Remember that. All right, well, upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. Basically what he's saying, as you take steps, God's going to move. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge. Stop right there. You see... What do you think they were expecting to happen? What do you think they were expecting? What type of miracle do you think? Let me tell you what I think they thought was going to happen. Because many of them, they saw 40 years before as children, Moses part the Red Sea. And the sea was walled up and they stepped out on dry ground. That they literally stepped down into dry ground. That's what they were expecting. Let me tell you, that's not what happened here. Some of you, you're here and you're thinking, okay, I expect God to do this. And, and you're like, he ain't following my expectations. Anybody, you would be bold enough to say, sometimes I expect God to do this, but he ain't following my expectations. Anyone? That's happened to me. Okay, God, I expect I'm going to obey, and then I expect you to do this. He doesn't do it. And let me tell you, what's going to happen here, we're going to see, is a, is a kind of a slow-moving miracle. Slow-moving miracle. In fact, th- th- this is what happens. I'm going to keep on going. Verse 15 and 16. The Jordan was overflowing its banks, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up. When did it start backing up? A great distance away at a town called Adam. It, it means this, that they, the priests got their feet wet. That it didn't magically. I'm going to ask some, a couple of guys to come out here. This, for our presence today, this is going to represent the Ark of the Covenant. So we got Justin and Sterling here. Y'all say hello to Justin and Sterling. Well, that's good. All right. All right. And, and what happens is this. They, hang on a sec. 
they, they are holding this Ark of the Covenant, this 300-pound box, above their shoulders. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And, 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 and Joshua says, okay, start walking down in the river. And they take a step, and the river don't part. They take another step, and the river don't part. And, and they're stopping here, and the water is, is now not only at their ankles, it's not at their shins, it's at their waist. And it's, it's keeping on going. I mean, nothing is stopping. Nothing is parting. They're holding this 300-pound box over the head, and, and they're in this raging river, and they keep on stepping down, and now it's above their waist. And they're in this turbulent river. I mean, if I was them, I would be... What? God... How come you're not moving? What's amazing this? Look, look at this verse. You guys, you can put that down. Thank you. Look at this verse. God is moving, but God is moving where? A great distance away. You see, they don't see that God is moving. In fact, he's moving. He blocks off the water at a town called Adam. Let me give you some, some, uh, some information about this. The, word, the, the town called Adam is 16 miles away from where they're at. 16 miles. And they, you know, sometimes they, they, I feel like this, sometimes we got to get our feet wet before we can see a miracle happen. Sometimes you and I, we got to obey when it doesn't make sense before we see God show up and show out. Now let me teach you something, a Hebrew word here today. Because the Hebrew word I want to teach you is the word kabod. Can you say it like that with me? Kabod. And it literally means glory. And here you have the glory of God represented in this Ark of the Covenant. But let me tell you what something that word also means. It also means heavy or weight. Let me tell you something. You see, and when they stepped down into that raging river, that sinker that was on top of their, above them, that was, that sinker was the thing that was keeping their feet firmly planted in that raging water. Let me tell you this, church. If you put God above you, and you put his position, his dreams above your own needs, if you worship him, let me tell you what happens. Sometimes it does feel weighty, but let me tell you, the reason why it feels weighty is because the glory of God is pressing down on you so that you can have a firm footing in the middle of your jacked up raging circumstances. You see, the reason why some of you, you feel like the, you're just being swept away downstream is because you don't worship God. You don't put Him in His perspective. You want to do what you want to do. You want to do your own dreams and your own, what, I mean, your own future and your own plans. And God's saying, hey, listen, psst, I want you to do this. No, 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 that doesn't make no sense. Just like it doesn't make sense to take a 300-pound gold box and step into a raging river. But let me tell you, sometimes you've got to get your feet wet before you can see that miracle happen. And what happens is 16 miles upstream, uh, they can't see that far. God is working, but he's working in this slow-moving miracle. Some of you, you've got to step out and you've got to say, you know what? I am going to stick into this marriage. I don't care if I dislike her or dislike him. I am going to stay in it. And when you make that decision, God's going to do something in the heart of your spouse 16 miles upriver that you can't see.
But it's going to take you making a decision saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going all in. I'm not doing just, hey, I'm going to raise you a penny. No, sir. You go all in. God, I'm following you. Even though it doesn't make any sense. And when you do that, I'm telling you, God will show up. He will show out, and you will be able to tell this story to your children who are living in a marriage that has been healed because you said, I'm going to stick it out. I don't care if I hate her. I don't care if I hate him. I'm sticking it out. It doesn't make any sense. All my girlfriends and my, and my guy friends, we don't have boyfriends because you know, all your girlfriends and your, the guys you hang out with, all telling me I need to leave her. I need to leave him. But God says, no. I want you to stick in it. I want you to go all in. What kept their feet anchored was this glory of God by putting God in his place and putting you in your place. You will not move forward towards God's promises until you take a step. So let's close this. This gradual miracle says this in verse 15 and 16. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge... The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. This was a slow-moving miracle. Let me tell you, you will not take any land until you take a step. I'm going to tell you this, church. It's time for us to make bold moves. We're never going to take any land until we take some steps of obedience. So I'm going to challenge you with this. And next week, we're going to talk about this. we're We're going to have a big ask. And we're going to ask some of you guys to partner with us. To say, you know what? I'm willing to financially... I'm willing to financially to help close the gap of that $190,000 that we owe. Because as I've shared with this in, you know, over the past few weeks, we're getting intense pressure from the school system. All churches are to get out. We have made plans. We're not worried. But we also know this. We can either move from here and go to the movie theater if we get kicked out, or we can just move from here into our own building and save us some money of having to retool doing portable church. The, 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 you know, what, what, what happens is really up to y'all. Of whether or not we're going to follow and be obedient. And maybe you're like, okay, let's take the money part out of it. Let's take bold out of it. Some of you, you want to see God show up in some amazing ways in your life. Some of you, you're more bored than bold. And the reason why is because you're not acting on what you already know. You're like, man, I just, I wish this preacher would preach better sermons and then I would be a, a deeper Christian. How you uh, become a deeper Christian is by reading the Bible every day. And so my challenge to some of you is just to open up the book of Joshua tonight and tomorrow and the next day and see what God does to a heart that's completely his. So I'm going to challenge you, not just this week, but I'm going to keep on challenging you week after week after week to trust God, to become bold. To let, allow God to use you in your homes, in your, in your job, as a parent, as a spouse. Go all in and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust that when you say, hey, listen, 100% of it's mine, but I'm going to ask you 
to give 10%. Some of you, that's a, that's a big jump because you give 0%. I get that. I've been there. I, I have been on church staffs and gave nothing because I couldn't feel like I could afford it. Man, it was only until I realized it wasn't about how much money I had in my pocket, but how much love and trust and faith I had in, of God in my heart. That am I going to really trust him? Man, that, that's, that's difficult. I've had to learn that lesson the hard way. So my challenge is let's learn it together. Let's be, let's do this together. Just like those priests, and just like we saw Sterling and Justin grab this box and say, okay, we're going to go. I'm asking you to go with us as a church, as a body, as families, to say, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I'm going to trust God with the results. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Jesus Christ, that we can be able to come and, and just be able to look at this guy by the name of Joshua who is so bold, who is so bold, who is strong and courageous. And Lord, when so many people could have sidetracked him with questions and what about this and how are we getting across and who's building the bridge and how does my, how's my six-year-old son get across and Joshua didn't have any of those answers. He just knew that God told him to go, to move. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us, not give us all the answers, but Lord, you would show us what our next step is. And Lord, that we would be bold enough and have bold faith in you to take it, wherever that leads. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.